father's lightsaber. What? Lightsabers, precious! Hallo und willkommen auf What's Lightsabers Precious? Und Lord of the Rings in Star Wars Encyclopodcast. I'm Ryan. Und I'm Joanna. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome, willkommen. Was your, was your accent, like, Swedish or was it? That's vaguely European. Vaguely European. You're doing your, um... My Eurobeat voice. Eurobeat guy. Oh, I love the Eurobeat Disney. I have a coffee and a cigarette for breakfast and we go to the club and we dance to the Eurobeat. Mm. I can't remember why or when you made this character, but I know that I really hate it. It's when we downloaded the Eurobeat Disney Oh, album. the Euro, like the Euro Electro sort of covers of Disney songs. Yeah, like dance covers of Disney. They're very stupid. Because we heard them in the shop in Japan when we were there. In Harajuku. And, and we thought, what is this stupid music? And we looked it up, and we downloaded it, and then I invented this character just came out of me. He was in me the whole time, and he just erupted out. Maybe um, he is like your true self. I think that's probably my spirit animal. You're meant to be some Euro trash guy. Yeah, yeah. Who stays out at clubs till three in the morning mm, 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 mm. and listens to like Barbara Streisand by Duck Sauce. Oh, I love it. I love it. It's such a good song. Mm, the EVM. You know what was Injected funny? straight into my veins. What was funny is we went back to that same shop in Harajuku five years later and they were playing the same CD. Yep. One CD, one store. It's all Eurobeat Disney all the time. No shame in liking Eurobeat Disney, by the way. We're ripping on it, but it's pretty... No, you know, it's pretty fresh. It's fresh. It's fun. It's fresh. It's nice. So, Ryan. Hey, Joanna. I have a good question for you. Sure. Were you a dragon kid? What do you mean? Like a kid who liked dragons? Yeah, like a kid who liked dragons. Not, not a dragon kin. That's something different, but That's... a dragon kid. You know, I was more of a dinosaur kid. Okay, but dinosaurs, I mean, what are dinosaurs but just like feathered dragons. Oh, I thought dragons were cool, but you know, I was a kid all about solid facts and evidence. Oh, you didn't and like the fantasy stuff when you were a kid. I, uh, I mean, I like sci-fi stuff. Oh, but I, I don't see. know. Drag- I had friends who were into dragons. Yeah. They would like play dragons outside on recess and stuff like that in elementary school. But right. I want to play dinosaurs because that's, that's all a bunch of made-up baloney, whereas dinosaurs are actual factual creatures that roamed this earth 65 million years ago. Okay, I mean, I see what you're saying, but in actual practice, I don't see how playing dinosaurs is appreciably different than playing dragons. Because both involve running around going... Because one makes you become a paleontologist someday, and one makes you collect pewter orbs from the Renaissance Festival. But you didn't become a paleontologist No, I didn't. Today, and I don't collect pewter orbs. Okay, good. I have friends who do. Huh? All right. No, no, no shame, no shame. So I was a major dragon kid in, like, fourth and fifth grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was like the first week of fourth grade, and I just changed schools, so I didn't have any friends, right? So we were in computer lab, and back then computer lab was just like typing practice because nobody had the internet yet, and in fact, a lot of people didn't even have home computers. We're old. We're really old. So our assignment was to get in pairs and type out a story, mm-hmm. and this girl I don't know comes up to me. Long, long blonde hair, big brown eyes, and a pink t-shirt with like a majestic stallion on it. Whoa. And she goes, do you believe in dragons? Just out of nowhere. Yeah. I'm, and I was like, yes. But what I really meant was, I have no friends in this class, so please keep talking to me. And that girl was Imagine Dragons. And that, <laughs> I thought you were going to say she was Albert Einstein. <laughs> she was that too. <laughs> 
So we paired up and we wrote a story about our pet dragon. And that was the start of two straight years of me and this girl just like doing nonstop dragon stuff. That's fun. We drew pictures of dragons. We role played like we were dragon trainers. Mm-hmm. We made these complex dragon genealogies and encyclopedia entries about different breeds of dragons. And a while back, I actually found this list I created that was titled, like, A List of the Dragons That Are in My Service. Whoa. And then it was 13 names with breeds next to them, like Giant Red and Indonesian Ivory. So you're saying, like, if if How to Train Your Dragon came out when you were a child, you would have been just, like, a dragon kid now. Are you kidding me? Yes. I think that would have just... I was already... I was at the tipping point. Yeah. And I just didn't quite tip over the edge to become a dragonkin. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if, if my fellow dragon friend became a dragonkin. She might have briefly. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure. Okay. But I did not. The list was kind of cute, but it was also just really sad because it showed how few friends I had at the time. I had, no. to make up, I had to make up some dragon friends. You had lots of friends, like the Norwegian Ridgeback and the Horned Red Drakes and... Yeah, all those breeds. The, the Chinese Longboy. Every, my favorite breed, the Chinese Longboy. With the noodle mustache. The Chinese Longboy and the Hungarian Shortfellow. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So anywho, for the dragon kid in all of us, I've decided to dedicate today's episode to the dragons of Middle-earth. Oh, fun. So dragons were created by Morgoth just like the Balrogs, or the Belrig. The proper plural of Balrog is Belrig. Did you know that? What? Yeah, Cinderin's freaking hard, man. You can't tell me that stuff while I'm drinking tea. I almost did a spit take. It's really, really hard. It does plurals by vowel shifts. I'll talk about it someday, but it's so hard. That's some nonsense. So Morgoth created a ton of these fierce and terrible reptilian creatures, which were called dragons, but also worms, drakes, and a whole bunch of other euphemisms. These are all things they call smaug as well, I notice. It is. It is. I'm going to talk about smaug. Uh, I'm mostly going to talk about the four dragons that had the greatest impact on Middle-earth history. So the first of these, indeed the first dragon to be seen anywhere in Middle-earth, was Glaurung the Golden. Cool. Father of dragons. And he popped out of Morgoth's evil fortress of Angband in, like, the year 260 of the First Age. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he immediately popped back in again because he was still a wee feller and the Noldor were able to scare him off. Aww. So he came out, he's like, hey guys, what's going on? The Noldor were like, boo, get back in your fortress, like throwing sticks at Aww. him. And was he real lil? He was real lil fella. Aww. Well, he wasn't full grown, that's all it says. So he probably wasn't little by human standards. Right. But anyway, they called him a bunch of mean names and he like went back into Angband Aww. and waited till he grew up. So by the time of the Dagor Bragalak, so do you remember that name? It's mm-hmm. the battle where things went totally boots yes. up for the Noldor and their allies. Yes, yes, yes. Right. So by that time, Glaurung was at the vanguard of Morgoth's forces. Okay. And Glaurung also led the charge at a later battle called the Nirnaeth Ar Noediad, or the Battle of Unnumbered Tears. Again, these lovely names that just are so easy to say. Right. And as you might guess from the name of the battle, the Noldor didn't fare exceptionally well there either. Glaurung was eventually slaughtered by Turin, the cousin of Tuor, the man who married Idril. Oh, okay. From last week. Sure. It was kind of a Pyrrhic victory, though, because Turin had, like, the crappiest life of any of Tolkien's heroes, but that's another story for another day. Well, all he's remembered for is that shroud he had with the picture Jesus on it. <laughs> exactly. And that is just one of the many trials he had to endure. Oh, what a bummer. Was making that shroud life's work he was yeah exactly he had to press that against his dirty face for so long to get it to imprint in there and everyone just thinks it's jesus and everyone just thinks it's jesus he doesn't even get any credit like i said turn is a tragic figure it's a bunch of bull roar it is a bunch of bull roar but what's not a bunch of bull roar is ankalagon the black the mightiest of the winged dragons he's a bunch of dragon roar so um golden boy didn't have wings 
I don't believe so. Okay. Because they don't call him a winged dragon. He was a purely terrestrial dragon. Purely terrestrial breed. Cool. Ankalagon the Black showed up at the very end of the War of Wrath when the tides were finally starting to turn in favor of the free peoples of Middle-earth. He and the rest of Morgoth's dragon armada beat back the Noldor and their allies, but then mm-hmm. Deal decided to put an end to that noise. You remember how Deal was eventually sent to live in the sky and fly his boat around the earth and become the evening star? Right, yeah. Well... Right in the middle of this final battle, Arendil's boat comes careening out of the sky and straight into Ancalagon, who is already being harried by the eagles. The evening star fell out of the sky. The evening star fell out of the sky to kill Ancalagon. You know how scary that would be? That would be ta- Well, I mean, maybe if you're a gigantic winged dragon, maybe not so maybe scary. Maybe not. But yeah. it's explicitly stated that Arendil and the eagles fought with Ancalagon for exactly 24 hours. A whole day. A whole day. Incidentally... 24 hours is also the exact amount of time my mom was in labor with me. Coincidence? Yes. So at the end of the 24 hours, Ankalagon died and fell directly onto the mountain, shielding Morgoth's evil fortress, completely obliterating them. Cool. So his fortress is, like, exposed because a dragon fell on the mountain. A dragon fell on the mountain, wow. Yeah, after getting hit by the evening star. Dang. So that was Ankalagon. Next, we have a very familiar name. Yeah. Smaug. Smaug. The last of the great fire drakes and the greatest dragon of his time. Of his time. Well, okay. His time being the third age. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't see any other dragons in the third age as far as, like, the books and the movies are concerned. No. Because they were all living up, like, way up north. He's the greatest of his age only because he is around tiny people who he can set fire to. That's a good point. That's a good point. There was no census taker going around doing a census of every single dragon that existed in the world. Yeah. They go to one place. They go to the, the Lonely Mountain. They're like, yep, he's the best. Uh, <laughs> he's the best out of a sample size of yep. one. <laughs> That's a good point. I suppose you mm-hmm. have a point there. So is that title really earned? I don't know. I but think Smog gave it to himself. He probably did. So Smog was presumably born in the First Age, and mm-hmm. presumably he also fought in the War of Wrath, but we don't have any record of it. He's really old. Yeah, he's really old. I mean, wow. all the dragons were born in the first stage because Morgoth created them. Wowza. Uh, so for all we know, Smaug was like a lazy dick right from the beginning and he was just rolling around on a pile of gold coins while his family fought and died and fell on top of mountains. Just diving into it like Scrooge McDuck. Exactly. We, we don't know because he's not mentioned. Okay. But anyway... Unlike Glaurung and Ancalagon, Smaug survived the First Age and tooled around for a few thousand years. What was he doing all that time? Uh, dragging around, eating treasure, oh. eating gems. Dragons, think, do dra- dragons even eat gems? I think dragons do even eat gems. Okay. <laughs> so he did this until the 28th century of the Third Age, when he heard rumors of this vast dwarven treasure store at Erebor. Mm, yeah. And the rest is essentially history, but for those of you who have never read or seen The Hobbit, here's a summary. You're a fool. Yeah, you are, but here's a summary. Smaug takes treasure, Hobbit steals treasure, Smaug roasts Lake Town, Bard skewers Smaug. That means nothing to people who haven't read The Hobbit, Joanna. That's a really bad synopsis. Also, songs and riddles. Does that clear things up? Completely. Okay. That good. was that was the glue holding it together. <laughs> that was the missing element. Yep. All right. So now that we have full comprehension of the story behind the Hobbit, I I will do 
a podcast on The Hobbit later. But I feel like it'll be more of a sort of mm, literary study. Okay. Sort of the societal forces that shaped its writing. I do want to talk about that eventually. Join us for the What's Lightsabers Book Club coming soon to a podcast near you. Yeah. So maybe not so soon. We'll see when I get to it. All right. (laughs) When I get to it. So now, as I said, Smaug was a fire drake, as were Ancalagon and Glaurung. And fire drakes were the mightier of the two subsets of dragons. The weaker of the two subsets was the cold drakes, so named because they couldn't breathe fire. Could they breathe cold? No, they couldn't. That'd be very cool. Cold is a relative term in this case. I mean, by this standard, you would be a, a, a cold human because you can't breathe fire. You don't know that. I don't, but can you? I've never tried. Well, try right now. Nope, nothing came out. Uh, You're a cold human. I'm a cold human. You're a cold human. Like my cold heart. So the cold drakes were used in the War of Wrath, though Tolkien never specifies how. And afterwards, they apparently escaped northward beyond the Grey Mountains. Okay. And there they stayed, eating and sleeping and making a bunch of babies. And in the year 2589 of the Third Age, one of the cold drakes got bored and decided to throw down with Dane first, descendant of Durin and king of the Grey Mountains. Oh, another dwarf? Yes. This Coldrick slapped Dane one and his son straight into the afterlife. Oh! Whereupon the other dwarves were like, gotta get the hell up out of here. Dragons are bad. And they migrated to Erebor because of that. And we don't know much about what happened to the Coldrakes after that. However, there is one named Coldrake in the Tolkien canon, and that's Skatha the Worm. Skatha. Skatha. Back before the dwarves left the Grey Mountains, Skatha plundered all their gold, as dragons are wont to do. However, living alongside the dwarves in the north at that time were a group of men called the Men of the Eotheod. And their chieftain was a guy named Frumgar, and his son was called Fram. Fram? Fram. Framsis. Short for Framsis. Frumgar. Yeah. It's like super Germanic sounding, right? Yeah, Fram. Well, you know. Fram. You know, they can't all be winners. Maybe it was a family name. Maybe. Fram is important because he took it upon himself to slay Skatha. However, in a pretty obvious foreshadowing of the events in The Hobbit, fighting then erupted between the men of the Eotheod and the dwarves over who had the right to the treasure recovered from Skatha. So the dwarves were like, that treasure belongs to us! Right. And the men were like, um, but we kind of like defeated the dragon and stuff, so... Right. Is this another battle of the of the five armies, but it's like two of them? It's like battle of the two armies, right? Okay. So when the dwarves That's like every battle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. So when the dwarves demanded their treasure, Fram sent them Scotha's fangs with a note that said, Jewels such as these you will not match in your treasuries, for they are hard to come by. Keep the change. Alright, go off. But yeah, so the dwarves killed Fram. Whoa. Yes, he straight up murdered him. Okay. So I'm glad he got his little dig in. Yeah. Because it was the last thing he ever did. <laughs> it's a pretty sweet dig though. Yeah, it was. But it would seem the men of Eotheod got to keep at least some of the horde because they brought it with them when they migrated south under the leadership of Fram's descendant, Eorl. And you may be wondering why she's spending so much time on these randos, the men of Eotheod. Well, when they arrived in their new homeland, the men of Eotheod started going by another name. The Rohirrim. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so they were actually the men of Rohan. In the book and also in the movie, you'll be able to hear King Theoden saying fourth Eorlingas. And that's another name for the Rohirrim because Eorl was the one who led them down south. Gotcha. So they are Eorlingas. Interesting. And another cool fact, in the book version of The Lord of the Rings, Eowyn gives Mary 
a special horn as a keepsake after the War of the Ring is over. Uh-huh. And that horn is said to have come from the treasure the Rohirrim stole back from Scotha. Ah, cool. Yeah, right? All ties together. Where'd those fangs go? Lost to history. All right. Dwarfs smashed them or something in their yeah. anger, chucked them out in the garbage. I don't know what they did. Uh, so those are the four big names among Tolkien's dragons. But before I turn it over to you, Ryan, yeah. I want to play a little game. Sure. I like games. I found a handful of Encyclopedia of Arda articles that describe some of the special powers the dragons had. Okay. And I'm going to give you the name of a dragon power, and I want you to try to guess what that power does. All right. So the first one uh, is an easy one. Sure. Dragon sickness. We saw that in the Hobbit story. Do you remember what it was? It makes you love gold and treasure. It does. It does. It's now, n- hold on, though. Yeah. That's not a dragon power, is it? That's like a dwarf thing. No, it's not. Do, is it contagious? Like, can dragons give it to you? It's a, dra- a dragon horde, specifically. You get it specifically from a dragon horde. Really? So it's, yes. So it's like tainted money. Yeah. It, so did all those dwarves and men that got Scotha's treasure, do they have the dragon sickness too now? Conceivably. They there, did they did come to blows over it and people died. Are the Rohirrim carriers of dragon sickness? Are they gonna cause a plague? Good question. I don't know. Maybe it wears off after a while. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah, so it's the greed specifically brought on by a dragon horde, and if you're a dwarf who already tends toward greediness and acquisitiveness, mm. then maybe you'll get it double bad. The, Although yeah. the person who got it the worst, in my opinion, was the master of Lake Town. You remember the guy who was played by Stephen Fry in sure, the movie? I, I've read the book too, Joanne. Okay, just making sure. you were. It was a long time ago when you read it. I know. So the master of Lake Town receives some of Smaug's gold to help rebuild the town. Yeah. And he gets dragon sickness so bad, he runs off into the wilderness with his gold and starves to death. Whoa. Yeah. Well, you can't eat gold unless you you're a dragon. You can't eat gold, you dum-dum. You silly goose. You big maroon. So that's what happened to the master of Lake Town. Dragon sickness, damn. Dragon sickness. Okay, next dragon power, dragon spell. Well, they can probably use magic. Okay, but what specifically? Because this a is a spell? specific power. A spell. Um, I would guess some kind of like manipulation of of people, like some like a Jedi mind trick kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, you're basically on the right track. So, dragon spell is affected by the mere gaze of a dragon. It causes its victims to lose all willpower. So you bust in on a dragon and you're like, Have at you, beast! And then the dragon gazes at you and you're like, Mmm, never mind. This is stupid. I don't even know why I came in here. I'm going to go home. So it's kind of like like Ka in the Jungle Book. And his eyes go all like rotating spirals. Yeah. And they're like, Trust in me. Yeah. But I think that's... I'm a dragon. More... Oh, that hypnotism that Ka does is more like getting you to trust him. Right. And like submit. And this seems more like getting you to sort of give up and... Gives you some Anway or something. Go home. You, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So, yeah, yeah. You get like totally um, kind of nihilistic. You're like, oh, there's no point to anything. We're all going to die. Might as well go home. Might as well just go home. Follow my sword. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's dragon spell. Okay. The last one is my favorite, all right? This one is called worm stench. They stank. They stank. They do stank, but there's a specific thing that this stink does. Oh, hmm. Stank of a dragon. Yeah. It makes your nostrils burn with the spiciness. <laughs> Is it pungent? Because it's like fire breath. Oh. 
Ooh, okay. Even the cold dragons is like, ooh, it's a cold spice ooh, in my nose. Ooh, 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 yikes. <laughs> no, Wormstench is also called Dragon Reek, and it's like a fog of vapors that dragons emit, and it fills those who smell it with a blind terror that few can withstand. Yikes. Can you imagine smelling so bad that people smell it and they're like, oh, and they just go crazy? I remember... Smaug having a stink cloud around him, like pig pen or anything like that. No, he did. He did. And they, I didn't they, see it. They, well, I don't think they, yeah, I don't think they emphasize it that much in the movie. But if you read the book, it specifies that even long after Smaug was gone from Erebor, his stench remained. It was that strong. Oh, dang. And it's not known if all dragons had worm stench, but we do know that both Glaurung and Smaug had it. Uh-huh. And in fact, Glaurung smelled so bad, it like literally almost killed people. Oh, gosh. Yeah. That's Even when he was stuff. little and he popped out and they were throwing rocks at him? I don't know about when he was little, but when he... Like, probably, like, it's probably like a thing where he go through puberty and he got to wear, like, deodorant all of a sudden. And he just didn't. He just didn't. He was a stinky kid. It doesn't come up when he's little, but it comes up in the battle with Turin. Okay. So, that's dragons. Yeah, cool. So how many dragons are there supposed to be in Middle-earth? We don't actually know. Like I said, nobody's taken a census because it would be insanely dangerous to do so, but most of them live north above the Grey Mountains in Middle-earth. And the Encyclopedia of Arda said that presumably dragons still exist. Tolkien never states outright that they've all been exterminated. So even in the Fourth Age, there's dragons kicking around? Even in the Fourth Age, even in the current age... Presumably. We don't know where they are. Where? We've, oh my goodness. If you are ever out in the wilderness and you smell something so bad that it literally makes you go like, ah! then you know you've come across a dragon. They live north. They probably just kept going north, right? Yeah. I mean, maybe they live up in the Arctic Circle. We yeah. don't do a ton of exploring up there. That explains global warming. Oh my god, it's all the dragons. No, because the dragons who were up north were cold drakes. Oh, never mind. Mostly. That's, that's humans then. Maybe there are some fire drakes. No, I think the fire drakes are all gone. He's, Tolkien's not very clear on it. They're probably in the hollow earth. You think so? Maybe they flew to the moon. Maybe they did fly to the moon. I don't know, Buzz Aldrin didn't specify, but... No, the government covered it up. <gasps> Dragon truthers. All this time we thought that they were staging the moon landing just to get one up on the Soviets, but actually it's so we wouldn't find out that there were a lot of dragons up there. <laughs> one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Holy crap, it's a dragon. Oh my god, it stinks up here. Oh ah! my god, ah, I'm really scared. <laughs> I want to go home. <laughs> he looked all... at me, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I don't care anymore. Yep. That's all the, yeah, no, that's all the stuff they cut out. That got left on the cutting room floor. Stan, co- Stanley Kubrick decided, yeah, we don't need that. Look for the truth, people. Loose change. Loose change. Wait, is that a loose change thing? I don't even yes. know. Yes, year of disclosure. <laughs> anyway, that's dragons. Thanks. Yeah. So what well, do you have for us today? Joanna. Yes. We might as well call this episode, Oops, All Dragons, because I'm doing dragons too. You almost made me spill my teeth. That was the stupidest <laughs> joke. <laughs> all dragons. Now, have you seen a dragon in Star Wars before? No. Is it just like a regular fantasy dragon? Well, my dear, there are multiple dragons in Star Wars. And in fact, you see the remains of one oh? in the very first Star Wars film. Where? Let me show you. Do you remember this skeleton in the desert? I do. Is that a dragon? That's a crate dragon. Whoa! Are they still extant? Yeah. During yeah. the events of the uh-huh. A New Hope? Yeah. Whoa! So it's a crate dragon. So a if you don't know the picture I'm talking about, C-3PO walks through the desert on Tatooine in episode four, and he walks past this long, scary-looking skeleton in the desert. And it's not remarked upon. He goes, oh my, and that's it. But it's actually a skeleton of a crate dragon. We can link that picture. We will. So the crate dragon was a large carnivorous reptile native to Tatooine 
obviously. They're really big. You saw that skeleton. It's huge, right? Mm-hmm. They grew continuously throughout their lives and then had an average length of 45 meters and a weight of 200,000 kilograms. Dang! Yeah, they lived for up to 100 years and did not weaken appreciably with age. So they're like pretty tough beasts. Dang, dude. And so they were known for being really ferocious and scary. The Jedi Order even had a, a lightsaber style called the Way of the Crate Dragon. Yeah. The kind of like aggressive style named after them. They had really no natural predators on Tatooine. They're kind of the apex predator. Mm. Except for the fabled sand demon. What's a sand demon? Now, I... okay, so you, I told you a crate dragon is like 45 meters long, 200,000 pounds. Yeah. Sand demon's like this giant sand bug, but it's only big as like two humans on top of each other. That's not very big. I know. So how could that take down a giant dragon? Well, the Tusken Raiders rumored that if a sand demon ate something, it absorbed their power. Oh. So maybe it ate a bunch of dragons. <laughs> but would it then get as big as those dragons? It wouldn't get bigger. Would you have a... Bu- oh, it just had the power? Right, so it'd be like a little guy with the power of like 20 dragons. So it's like how ants can lift like, I don't know, like 100 times their body weight or whatever. This thing could like bench press a building. Yeah. The strength of 20 dragons. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. If they could bottle that and sell that in a protein power powder, yeah. just imagine like how swole all those gym rats would get. Right. Now, otherwise, their only predators were the Tusken Raiders. Man is the most dangerous, well, not Tusken Raiders predator, aren't men. They're, they're, well, desert, desert, they're sand people. Okay, but I think of them as people because they have self-awareness, presumably? Well, they're sentient. They're sentient. But they're not human under that bandage setup. Well, okay, same diff. They're an alien. It was an important part of their right of maturity. Yeah. And so when a Tusken Raider came of age, uh, they were adolescent, they'd be sent out into the Dune Sea, which is all the, that sandy desert part of Tatooine, and they had to come back after slaying a crate dragon. Cool. They couldn't come back unless they slain one. They had oh to bring back God. proof, like a horn or a tooth or a... This is like Dune. A little bit. Where they, don't they have to like try and tame a sandworm? They gotta ride a sandworm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, and you have to walk without rhythms, so you want to attract the worm. Right. And then you attract, and then Maudib gets to ride on its back. So it's like basically exactly what it is. But they have to kill it. But they have to kill it, yeah. Um, and they had a cool invocation, they would say, when they returned. Yeah. Uh, and it goes like this. From the womb of the crate, be blessed with rebirth. You are her killer and her child, a greater dragon than she. Pull from her belly your prize and her apology. Whoa. Yeah. But of course, that's Tusken Raiders. They're probably like, uh, 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 the whole time. Ryan, that's so racist. Okay. I'm so disgusted with how racist that is. Sorry, uh, uh. Tuscan Americans. Tuscan, Tuscan Americans. Where is Tuscan America? <laughs> <laughs> I give up. They're Where truly a minority. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so they're important to Tuscan Raiders, also important to the Jawas. Both species on Tatooine thought crate dragons were a really powerful spirit and that their bones possessed magic. Magic. And so even though Jawas didn't like hunt crate dragons, if they came across crate dragon bones, yeah. they were kind of seen as like the top guys in Ooh. Jawa society. So like, they're brave enough to like get that stuff. Now, was it like some parts of rural China where they would grind up crate dragon bones and, like, drink them so they could get a boner? It's absolutely an aphrodisiac for Jawas, yes. Wait, is that true? Well, no, but it... Oh, okay. <laughs> but it could be. It could be. I mean... There's that... something that says it's not. Right, right. So, yeah, they were kind of important on Tatooine. They had a summer mating season. Oh, good. I mean, summer in Tatooine's hot enough already. It's gonna say. Can you imagine a bunch Why of... Why would you want to even... dragons just, like, going at it in the Sorry, desert. Sorry, no. Did they breathe fire? When they mated? Well, we'll get around to that. Oh, okay. The howls of crate dragons filled the canyons of Tatooine. As they were mating? As they were mating. Mm. And the collection of frenzied mating beasts scared even the mightiest of sand people. So these noises, these howls. Sand now, people are like, their sex is scary. It's scary. They make a lot of big noises. They made a big sound when they did the sex. It's done echoed. <laughs> 
Now, you actually hear the cry of a crate dragon in episode oh. four. When? All right, I'm going to show you a scene real quick. And this is actually one that's been changed over time with oh. the special editions and oh. also the new Blu-ray release that came out in like 2011. So, Are you showing me the original? I'm showing you all three. They're all in one sequence. Okay. So if you remember the part when Luke is being attacked by uh, sand people yeah. in the desert, you hear this down the canyon. Making it sort of more Different. dramatic sound. Okay. This, listen, though, hold on. <laughs> they didn't need to. Now, the last one you heard was from the 2011 version of, of A New Hope. Why did This they? is the scene where Obi Wan comes to Luke's rescue. See the thing? And Obi Wan makes the cry of a crate dragon to scare off the sand people. Oh. But, but wait, the original version that? is good, the 2004 version is good. 2011 version sounds like a man screaming. <laughs> <laughs> oh! <laughs> I don't know. Were they trying to go for realism there? It like... sucks. Okay. <laughs> Obi Wan is a Jedi, so he's able to like manipulate his voice and stuff, and that's one of his powers. Well, with increasingly less success over yeah, the years, yeah. goes from being a very credible crate dragon sound to just an old man going. Oh! That's why you shouldn't buy the Blu-rays because not only do they give the crate dragon sound like a like a screaming man who just like stepped on a Lego, but they also like do all kinds of other things like give the Ewoks CGI eyelids and stuff like that. What? Yeah, they don't need to blink. Come they on. don't. They don't. But it's a vicious vision. Oh, for um, sake. Yeah. So you hear crate dragon. <laughs> yes. So that's proof. We have bones. We gotta cry. All right. So crate dragons. They had kind of a special thing about them that was like a, their, their dragon treasure. Like just like Smaug, in fact. Yeah. Or any other Tolkien dragon. They had a treasure. So the crate dragon relied on ingesting boulders to grind food. Oh. Kind of like, like you know. Like the, sto- the stones that, that dra- uh, dinosaurs would swallow. Yeah, like like in their gizzard, right? Yeah. And so these these boulders would grind food into a pulp, and as it did so, it become very smooth and round. And these are called dragon pearls. Oh. And they're very valuable. And you can get up to like a million credits for one of them. Holy cow. Yeah, a million credits. That's a lot of money. And they could also be used by Jedi as focusing crystals in their lightsabers. Really? So they got make, that? You could make a crate dragon lightsaber. Ooh, of a dragon what color would it be, though? I don't know. Good question. Be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah. So they swim through the sand like sandworms in Dune. Another Dune comparison here. All right, cool. Uh, only popping out to eat banthas and unaware travelers. Did Dune come out before A New Hope? Yes. Okay. But crate dragons weren't made up as like a... There's all this backstory of crate dragons. I just say... Right off the bat, this is all on the legend side of the Wikipedia oh, okay, article. okay, okay, gotcha. Um, this is all stuff that was created through comics and books and, and fanfics, essentially. Okay. So uh, the Dune influence might have been... A, mm. Well, Dune was definitely a heavy influence on George Lucas. Yeah. For sure. It has a desert planet. It has, you know, a young a, a boy. A lot of sort of um, spiritual stuff. Spiritual stuff. Yep, yep, yep. So huge influence on Lucas. Gotcha. Yeah. Star Wars is essentially the combination of Dune... 1930s pulp serials, uh, Kurosawa movies, and just the hero's journey. Like, it's just kind of a mishmash of a bunch of different stuff. Oh, and World War II, dogfights, of course. But he made it work. Well, I should say his ex-wife. Yeah, Marsha made it work. But Marcia made it work. Anyway, that's the story <laughs> no, for a different no, no, day. <laughs> also, they were venomous. Ooh. So the great dragons are, are beastly. Dang, dude. They didn't even need venom. When you're that huge and deadly, yeah. why do you need venom for? I know. They're tough. I guess to fight each other. Yeah, yeah. They're probably pretty territorial. But just in case you're an adolescent sand person out there and you have to go hunt your first crate dragon, I got some tips for you. They have some weaknesses. Oh, yeah? 
Do tell. So first, they Where's their hitbox? Well, I'll tell you about it. <laughs> they have three weaknesses. First one, Banthas. Love them. Oh, they love them. They want to eat them. Oh, they love eating their them. Their favorite food, oh. Banthas. So, so if you bring out like a Bantha burger, that's how you like lure them. Oh, def. Definitely. Oh. So that's one weakness. Yeah. So bring a Bantha with you. Two second thing. They have trouble discerning two-dimensional images. And so they chase their shadows and stuff like that. Oh, they don't realize that that's... They're more for... They're, they kind of go off their their vibration senses, kind of like a sandworm. And so their vision's not great. So oh, my God. They kind of they kind of get weirded out by 2D stuff. I see. So then just bring out like okay. a flat cardboard... Of you. Of a man, like a cardboard standee. Of a bantha, maybe. Of a bantha. And then they'll just go for... You know, it's, just, it's so Looney Tunes. Yep. Last weakness... A blaster shot through the sinus cavity will go right to its brain. Well, yeah. I mean, I feel like that'd be anybody's weakness. So what you gotta do? Shot in the brain. You go out in the desert. You bring a cardboard bantha. Yeah. It hopefully smells like a bantha, so it goes after it. You make it pop out of the sand. And you're hiding behind the cardboard bantha with your gun ready. And you wait for it to try to bite through the bantha. And then as it's coming towards you with its mouth open, pew! Right through the sinus. sinus. Right in the sinuses. Wow. Well, that's a, that's a life hack for the week. Well, that sounds pretty foolproof. Yeah. All these facts are mostly about the canyon crate dragon. Yeah. Which is like the most common type. But there's also one called the greater crate, which is over 100 meters long. Oh, stop. And it even fed on sarlax. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, of course, the pearls on that boy are real valuable. 100 meters. The, the giant crate. That's bigger than a blue whale. Yeah. I got a couple pictures of them if you want to look at them. Yeah. There's a canyon crate. There's, yeah. a, there's a, a greater crate. God, I can't even like get a sense of scale on it though. They should have put this a is, this guy. This is like 40 meters, right? This yeah. is like mega big, so it's a little guy down there. Whoa. This is a uh, Ralph McQuarrie concept art. Oh, cool. Four stars came out. Cool. A couple sand people fighting him. Oh, it's spelled like that. Yeah. I thought it was crate like a like a wooden. Box. That's how it's pronounced. It's, yeah, oh, okay. It should be said. It's K R A Y T. Oh. That's not the only dragon in Star Wars. No. Because some xenobiologists believe that the crate dragon was said to descend from du- Duwanuguin. Let me try that again. Well done. Du- um, the Duinoguin. You're very brave, my dear. The Duinuoguin. Okay, and you were making fun of the battle the names in Tolkien. Du- Duinguin. Okay, look at this word. How do you say that? Duinuoguin. 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 <laughs> <laughs> They're also called star dragons. Let's call them star dragons. Star dragons. Duino Guin. Duino Guin. Sounds like you have like a speech impairment. Duino Guin. It's kind of racist. I don't know. So, Duino Guins or star dragons, a super, super extended universe legends thing. There's not anything in canon at all about them. They're a great example of how. There's too many cooks in the kitchen with, with the extended universe yeah. because there's nothing consistent about them. <laughs> Multiple people have written about doing the wins and they've all had different interpretations. And so, so they well, don't like, they don't, they don't collaborate. They on don't this share at all. notes. Okay. Um, and so the doing the wins Wikipedia article is just a mishmash. People trying to fit all this stuff together in the same creature. So it starts by calling them variable in appearance. Um, they generally had serpentine bodies, diaphanous wings, and a pair of legs in each of many body segments. So okay. they all have that in common, generally. Generally. Their average length was 10 meters, but some were rumored to be 100 meters or more. <laughs> okay! So, i.e., like, some writers wrote about them 10 meters, and other writers were like, They're huge! 100 bajillion meters! It's, the, it's infinity plus one meters long. <laughs> 
aside from guesswork and observations of live star dragons, little is known about their biology because they never gave their bodies to scientific research. They so. never donated their bodies to science. Nope, never. They never checked the organ donor box. Selfish on their son of a gun. They are sentient, though. They're considered to be a star. Really? Like a sentient species, yeah. Do they speak? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. It was believed they had internal organs which acted as repulsor lifts, since their wings were too delicate for such large creatures to even take off from any but the lowest gravity of planets. So an organ let them have like a, a, a hover drive in them. Yeah, that's what organs do. Yeah. It had, maybe it had like some antimatter just isolated in its, you know, maybe gallbladder or something. It's swim bladder. Yeah, this is all very <laughs> tentative and fuzzy. It's believed. It's believed. Um, some star dragons had the ability to exhale superheated gases, leading to speculation that they also had internal organs capable of organic cold fusion. <laughs> They were they had a fusion reactor. So not only did they have like anti-gravity materials or whatever in their yeah. swim bladders, but they also had like a, a nuclear fusion reactor. So that some could them. exhale superheated gases, i.e. fire. So I mean, how would you explain fire drakes breathing fire? Do they have a cold fusion engine inside of them? Uh, that's a good question. Did Tolkien cover that? Scientific Tolkien did not things? cover that. Okay. Um, it's fantasy, so you don't have to explain it. Well, I think you do if you find that Star Wars is just a continuation of Lord of the Rings, like we have in examples of the past. I think that where they've usually gone awry in the Star Wars expanded universe is when they try too much to explain things. I agree. One of their most impressive abilities was the ability to fly and survive in the vacuum of space for weeks or months at a time. <laughs> what? Full roar! What were they breathing? They're basically like the most Mary Sue of species. It's like everything they thought was cool, they put in a right, one Like suit. This is my persona. It can survive in the blackness of space. Yeah. And it can breathe fire. It has a nuclear reactor inside it. It's like a bajillion meters long. It's incredibly sexy and intelligent. It's sapiosexual, in fact. <laughs> Hey, that's probably my that's probably my fursona. Yeah. Well, I guess it'd be a scaly, not a fursona. It could also live as long as 2,000 years. <laughs> oh, shut up! Really? Yeah. Something that big would not have that long of a lifespan. No, 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 no. Up to. Again. Okay. Tentative. Fuzzy. Again. Some people are probably like, it lives 12 weeks. Yeah. It lives <laughs> 24 hours. It's like, it's it like a housefly. It dies. Yeah. <laughs> what a waste. <laughs> Duino Gwyn were known to only have one sex, though little further was known about the reproductive process. So presumably it reproduced asexually? Well, it was known that when two star dragons did mate, there was a good chance that they would produce unintelligent offspring that were little, little more than ravening monsters. They'd have to be destroyed by their parents. That doesn't actually make any sense scientifically, though, because if two separate ones were mating, then you'd get more recombination of traits, which means they should be genetically more fit than if you were just making a copy of yourself. Cold fusion reactor in their bodies. Okay. <laughs> Good point. And others were born that showed intelligence, but only in the form of evil cunning. So, literally... I'm reading directly from Wikipedia here. So if two of them mate, they literally produce an offspring that's... that's either that's either normal. Either normal. Stupid. stupid or, or evil. evil. <laughs> Completely evil. So, given the likelihood of making crappy kids, they often lived in solitude away from other Duan Guins. That's really sad. Why would nature allow them to be that way? I don't know. That's stupid. <laughs> also, if they only have one gender, how are they getting each other pregnant? I don't, Joanna. Did they have, like, both Listen, of... none of them gave their bodies to science. We just don't know. Okay, I'm sorry. You're right. I forgot. So, that's kind of why they think crate dragons maybe came from star dragons is because... They may have been, like, the descendants of offspring that were unintelligent. Maybe when to settle on Tatooine. Oh, so they're all the stupid ones. Possibly. But what happened to all the normal ones and the evil ones? They float around in space. Oh, my God. 
So they're generally calm and even-tempered, like the good ones, I mean. Okay. Often preoccupied with cosmic musings. <laughs> cosmic musings! That sounds like something that a really, really insufferable guy would write on his Tinder profile. Yeah. I'm often preoccupied with cosmic musings. Swipe left. Swipe left. They're also noted for a strong, innate sense of morality. Wow. They follow the rules. Also, furthermore, making them the most Mary Sue, one-third of them were Force-sensitive. Shut why? And at least two are members of the Jedi Order. There, that is bullcrap. There's no way that these gigantic well, sometimes nuclear giant, fusion Sometimes having, blowing fire. Sometimes, sometimes having nuclear fusion. Sometimes having antimatter in their swim bladders. Sometimes having, like, there's no way these things were, 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 were Jedis. Well, there was one in the Old Republic. And there's one as recently as the Clone Wars. No, they're what? Where? Not in the movies. In a, in a comic. In one comic. Yes. Why didn't he make it to... Where was he then? If this is part of the universe, well, where was he in the movie? That's a good question. You're probably saying, where are these guys? Yeah. They're so major. Where are they? Well, turns out, every time there's a source of conflict, like the Galactic Civil War, the Clone War, even the War on the Old Republic, they kind of go hide. And they wait till everything shakes out. <laughs> that's and scary. It's said that like even after the Galactic Civil War, like probably even now, like where the new movies are, they're probably just like waiting. They're scared. They're still waiting. Wait, so they're still extant? Well, not Maybe. in canon. I mean, they haven't been in any, any canon sources yet. Okay, but you're saying, though, in the extended universe, they like, might... Yeah, even, like, when the New Republic is kicking around, like, they're still hiding. Wow. Yeah. So what do you think would win? A Fire Drake uh-huh. from Tolkien or a Dwigwigwa? Are you... Th- talking a 1,000 meter long fire breathing cold fusion 2,000 year old super intelligent force sensitive uh, Dwanguin are we talking like a 10 meter long uh, stupid evil cunning uh, hiding out Dwanguin something in the middle probably a fire drake I hate (laughs) these guys (laughs) you think so I, I think I think even like a greater crate dragon could take out a Dwangoin. I mean, the thing is, a Dwangoin like they have a sense of morality. I get the sense that fire drakes are just out for number one, so I think that they'd fight harder. I think they would. Yeah, Dwangoins just try to play by the rules, and fire drakes. But I'm lawful good. I'm preoccupied with cosmic musings. I'm not gonna stoop to your level, and the fire drakes like, well, okay, and then just like, <laughs> yeah, just like the Republicans in Congress. <laughs> Politics. <laughs> That's, that's so relevant. It is. That is so relevant. Topical. Now, I have a few pictures of, of the Wongoins to show you, like, how disparate the different versions oh, are, okay? Oh, my God. So this, this is the Wongoin. Okay, yeah, that looks like a dragon. He's cool. He looks, he's like a centipede. Centipede dragon, right? Centipede dragon. This is also a Wongoin. Okay, that's literally like a dog with dragonfly wings. <laughs> <laughs> this is also a Wongoin. <laughs> Okay, again, we're, we kind of got the centipede thing going, but it, it has the dragonfly wings, yeah. and um, it's got more of a traditional dragon-like visage. It's my favorite one. It's um, segmented like an insect, uh-huh. so it's kind of cool. So these are all Dwangoins, as far as Star Wars is concerned. The one that really gets me is the dog dragonfly. That purple dog. With like a... It's, is it wearing like a belt? Or like it's a, got a... Like a... Like a, not like even a cod a, piece? Not even like a cod piece. It's just like a... A belt, or like, <laughs> like a. Like it's a, a belt with like a little flap hanging down. Like you can but, just move that flap aside when you need to go to the bathroom. But it's only below his first segment, so it's yes! like you're like wearing a belt on your neck, <laughs> or like <laughs> with a flap, or like around your 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 pecs. My belt's very high up. 
<laughs> I don't understand Again, the fashion Again, I'll post pictures of these Duwanguins. You can see how dumb they look. Um, there's actually one more dragon I found researching dragons. Oh, yeah? Um, Lay it on me. It's called a Rancor dragon. But wait, a Rancor is already a thing. <laughs> Let me read you the single paragraph that makes up the Rancor dragon article on Wikipedia. So this was in, like, one book in, like, 1983. Rancor dragons were mutated Rancors with wings, created through alchemy at Anil Kesh. Rancor dragons could fly. Butch was a Rancor dragon. <laughs> it's Butch! They were slightly smaller than true Rancors and were used as mounts by the Jedi. Wait, so he can't just throw in one sentence that says Butch was well, a Rancor There was an article dragon, about Butch. I clicked Butch on it and it was like, Butch was a Rancor dragon. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally all it will tell us about this mysterious Butch is that he was a Rancor dragon. And so the Jedi, that's J-E apostrophe, D-A-I-I, that's the precursor to the Jedi, like like thousands and thousands and thousands of years before yeah, the Middle right. Republic. Uh, here's a picture of Butch. Okay, <laughs> I mean, he is a rancor with wings. Yep. And there's, like, a, a white girl with dreads riding him. She's a Jedi. But what? I don't understand, like, who is he? Did, did they just make Actually, him I found out it's actually a female rancor dragon oh. named Butch. What on earth? So, as you can see, Star Wars has a very tightly woven dragon mythology. Oh, yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely airtight. They've got it really well thought out. Right. But aside from crate dragons, that's all really extended universe nonsense. Crate dragons were actually recently made canon uh, in the Star Wars Commander mobile game, which Disney produced. And so a living crate dragon appeared for the first time in canon. All right. So yeah. they, are, they have officially joined the canon side. They, they are have. no longer the legend side. Right. But dwee-wee-wees are... Dwee-wee-wees are still... <laughs> Out there, man. They're they're in the extended universe, in the far fringes of it, as are Rancor Dragons. Like Butch. Like Butch. <laughs> Butch is a Rancor Dragon. Butch is a Rancor you know? Dragon. Did you know? That's the one thing I know about Butch. Yeah. Also, I read that the skeleton of the Rancor... Or, sorry. Try again. I read that also the skeleton of the Crate Dragon is still out in Tunisia. Really? No! Really? Cast of episode two, when yeah. they filmed it back in Tunisia, they went out and found it again. Really? And it's still there, untouched. But isn't it buried in sand? Nope. Still, I mean, it's still there, still showing. No! That's so cool! Yeah. Those are the star dragons of the Star Wars. Wow, it really was oops all dragons today. Oops all dragons. Oops? Well, cool. Yeah. I mean, partially cool and partially, like, really goofy. I think a third of that bit was cool. <laughs> And I like Crate Dragons, the other two bits like, are stupid. What on earth? <laughs> yeah. I like Butch. So I think we can probably say that this is further proof that Middle-earth becomes Star Wars, okay? So, you know, Endor, obviously the Shire. Yep. Ewoks, obviously Hobbits. Crate Dragons, obviously, obviously Drakes. Drakes. Fire Drakes. Right? Possibly Fire Drakes or Cold Drakes. Or do they go into space, like we talked about, and become Duwanguins? Duwanguins. That could be a possibility. That could be where they all went. Yeah. From the Grey Mountains to I mean, space. How farther north can you go than space? In space. space. <laughs> this is scientific fact. Space is the furthest point north. You point up, it's north. It's, it's space. north. That's space. Yeah. So we'll leave it at that. Anything else you need to cover before you wrap things up? No, I think we're good. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at What's Lightsabers Precious. Just search it. It'll be the only thing that comes up in all likelihood. Probably. You can email us at What's Lightsabers Precious at gmail.com if you have any questions, suggestions, corrections. Don't email us about corrections. If you get hold of us, hit us up. We'll happy to be email you back. Yeah, and you can rate us um, on iTunes. 
Uh, if you use the podcast app uh-huh. on your iPhone, if you have an iPhone, if Apple owns your soul, then it's very, very easy to leave us a review. So please do so. Very good. Also, we mentioned this last week. If you want to listen to more Jub Jub Adventures, we're doing uh, the Twitch cast and our friends profile RPG buddies on Mondays. Again, not safe for young ears, but still... I think entertaining. Mondays at what time? Around like 7.30. But Eastern Standard Time. I think they're, U.S. Eastern Standard I Time. I think they're stored on the Twitch channel, so you can oh, watch so you them can, later. The back catalog. There you go. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. You know, good luck out there, because there be dragons. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.